0: Lots to talk about, guys. Welcome in to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, today we learned that for the first time in his young NFL career, Javante Williams missed a regular season practice. What I know you had the report for us.
1: Tell fans what the Broncos are telling us about the injury. Well, it's listed as a knee on the injury report, but Vic Fangio called it a little leg issue, and then he explained that Williams' leg swelled up a little bit. It wasn't an injury that he suffered during practice. I don't necessarily know what's exactly going on with Javante. It just sounds like a leg issue. Doesn't sound overly severe. Fangio expects Williams to play Sunday against Cincinnati in a huge, huge game. You can argue the Broncos' season's on the line in this game, so they need the running attack with Javante. And it's worth noting that Melvin Gordon is battling three injuries now simultaneously, a hip, shoulder, and a sprained thumb. He suffered against Detroit. He was limited Wednesday and today in practice, could be Demarier Crockett getting some carries on Sunday against Cincinnati, but uh looks like right now Javante barring any setbacks, God willing, uh he'll play Sunday. Dude, how
0: crazy is it that the New England Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC? Maybe it's not so crazy. Maybe we slept too much, Zach, on Mac Jones. Or is it really the I I'm this is coming to mind because I'm going to show you guys the current uh, AFC playoff picture, but or I was is it say, just holy, holy non sequitur Batman? Well, you, we started talking about how important this game is, right? Like yeah. this must-win, do-or-die. And I thought, you know what? Let's look at the, let's look at the uh, AFC playoff picture. I'll go ahead and flash this so you guys are a little bit more in line with uh, what's going on here. So apologies for the abruptness there, but look at this: Patriots, Zach, number one seed; Titans, two; Chiefs, three; Ravens, four; Chargers, five; Colts, six; Bills, seven. That's if the playoffs started this weekend. But fortunately, they don't. And here are the teams on the on the bubble. you got the Browns at eight. The Bengals one slot ahead of the Broncos at nine. And then there's your Denver Broncos. So they've climbed two spots. If they beat the Bengals, and depending on what happens in the Raiders game, and they're going against the or Raiders-Browns, your Broncos could freaking leapfrog to eight. And also, I guess, depending on what happens with the Bills. If the Bills fall to seven and seven, Broncos suddenly are that seven seed, depending on how things shake out with the Browns. Uh, it's exciting. That's how. That's what Zach's talking about. It. How important this game is, because this guy, your opponent, one slot ahead of you in the uh, power rankings, AFC wise. Listen up, Broncos country. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner
1: find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price.
0: That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com huddle today and use the promo code
1: huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. What's, what's so important about it too, is you can't lose the head to head against Cincinnati and Cleveland, mind you. And for now, Las Vegas and expected creeping uh, to the wild card picture. So the Broncos have to have this game, But getting back to your original statement about New England being the top seed, you guys think I'm an idiot or whatever for saying coaching, 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 and it matters, but you put Mac Jones in New England, he thrives there, that's why they're the top seed, they're winning in a game where he throws only three passes because they have premier goat tier coaching in Belichick and McDaniels, he wouldn't have thrived anywhere else, and I don't think the Patriots would have that record with any other quarterback, it was a match made in heaven, but a match goosed along by really, really, really good coaching
0: listen we want the denver broncos to go as far as this season will let them but the storylines galore that could be in store for the nfl if it's the patriots and bucks in the freaking super bowl man because look at this the bucks currently are number two seed with uh, the packers at one i mean aaron Rodgers sleeps on the couch for the entire offseason shows up day before the regular season and the packers are 10 and 3 that's how freaking good this guy is Bucs cards at three. That's a huge surprise, right? That they are a three-loss team this deep into the season. Cowboys four, Rams five, Niners six, Niners. So they're you know they're hanging. Uh, Washington, look at old Ron Rivera man making some hay while the sun's a shining, and then a slew of of teams and the Falcons. Scott's Falcons are hanging in there. That they still got a shot. Their shot's about as good as the Broncos. Let's be honest.
1: Coaching, Arthur Smith, rookie coach. They have a rookie general manager as well. And Terry Fontenot, an aging Matt Ryan, no Calvin Ridley. They're having Cordarell Patterson having a breakout season at freaking running back looking legit. That's a product of really good coaching. So there's a common thread here, Chad. And I want the Broncos to get on that thread. And I don't think they'll do it with Fangio, another non sequitur.
0: Yep, yep. Tonight is the night of non sequiturs. This is is how we roll today. And uh, we're happy to do so. Casual Thursday, baby. We're stoked to have you guys in the in the room with us, so appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, back to the topic at hand that I so rudely kind of, you know, went stage left on, Javante Williams. You know, the Broncos, this wouldn't necessarily – what's up, Travis? Um, don't worry about stars, buddy. Uh, this, ne- this wouldn't be necessarily, Zach, so alarming for Javante if Melvin, as you mentioned, wasn't still trying to kind of fend off his own injury demons right now. And if if we look, in fact, the injury report that I forwarded to you guys earlier today, they sent an updated one. Uh, and it shows here that in the updated version, Melvin Gordon limited today, limited yesterday. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on because, look, the Bengals are a really good rushing defenses. We're, we'll go through here in a few more minutes. We'll go through the head-to-head. You're going to need your horses, man. And maybe that's what this was about. Maybe the Broncos were just like, look, we're going to need Javante as fresh as possible.
1: So if he doesn't practice on a, th- on a Friday, so be it. Whoa, whoa. I mean, the big selling point for Melvin Gordon, one of them, is he's supposed to keep Javante Williams fresh, you know? And now Javante has an injury, so it kind of shoots a hole in that argument that the Broncos need Melvin Gordon, especially at his current salary, for one of the reasons being to keep Javante injury-free or keep him fresh. He's in a timeshare and has a leg injury. It happens in the NFL. You can't keep players in bubble wrap, so that's why I still think Javante should get the lion's share, but we're just going off different tracks today, I guess, Chad.
0: Joe Burrow is nursing a right finger.
1: I was Mm -hmm. not aware of this. Were you? Yeah, a couple weeks ago he suffered it and he tried on different gloves, took off gloves. It bothered him, but then he came back and uh, had a pretty good game last week.
0: He didn't practice Wednesday, practiced in full today, so he's obviously going to play, but that's something to monitor. Other than that, Trey Hendrickson, right, that's their, a rush, their edge rusher, didn't practice Wednesday, practiced in
1: full today. Ooh, yeah, he's playing.
0: Uh, Chidobe Awuzie didn't practice and is now on the reserve yep. list CV uh, list. And DJ Reeder. He of the throwing shade at Drew Locke fame, right? <laughs> uh he didn't practice yesterday, practice today. So I mean, otherwise, the only guys Zach who didn't practice for the Bengals today, Trey Hill, the center, Isaiah Prince, the tackle, Riley Reef, uh, the tackle, Logan Wilson, the linebacker, and the corner, Vernon Hargraves. Everyone else either was limited or full on their injury report.
1: Yeah, Hendrickson not playing would have been a big break for the Broncos, but it looks like Awuzie is not going to play. I, I, even though he's vaccinated, I don't think he has enough time to get cleared, and that's huge because you can argue he's been the, the Bengals' best defender this season. Unfortunately, though, if you scroll through Roto World, or what they used to be, you know, what they're called now, is, I think is Edge, NBC yeah. Edge, it's stupid. Um, the, it's sad the blurb for Awuzie says, it won't really matter, in other words, against the pass-averse Broncos. What a sad sentence when the Broncos have the talent they do with receiver, but it's still a big break for them if and only if Pat Shermer wants to capitalize on that. Fingers crossed.
0: Well, Trickle, you know, he brought up a good point today as he wrote up the story on what uh, Shermer and Teddy had to say, kind of punching back against the criticism of, hey, where is uh, the targets for Cortland Sutton? Tim Patrick, etc. We can go through so we read you the the uh, Teddy quote yesterday, but we can go over what Pat said as well if you guys want. But uh one of Trickle's takes here, one of his main points in the article, and Stone, thank you for those big stars, my friend. You demand, you have come on strong like a freaking whirling dervish, my friend. Let us uh let us say thank you both right here and now. And by sending out a little piece of swag, dude, why don't you shoot us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail? Dot com and send us your t-shirt size and your address, and we'll shoot you a little thank you for being so supportive, my friend. But, Zach, back to uh, Trickle. He's saying, look, when you have a dominant and prolific rushing attack and a solid, if not good, depending on the day, defense, you, know, you can win some games in the league. But when you have to – if you're so out of whack, if your passing offense, Zach, is so out of rhythm, your quarterback is struggling as hard as Teddy is to form chemistry and cohesion with your boundary receivers – When that time comes, when you are uh, pushed into a corner and you need to throw,
1: it doesn't bode well. And we saw that in week 13 in uh, Arrowhead. Yeah, I've heard another podcast that Teddy is never going to win you a game. And, you know, he's uh, never going to be the guy to win a shootout or win on the strength of his arm. And it's just... That's what you want in your quarterback. That's what you need in your quarterback. And there's really no excuses when he has the talent that he does. A lot of other quarterbacks around the NFL making much more hay than Teddy Bridgewater with a lot less talent around him than Bridgewater has as well. Uh, We all know what he is by now, a checkdown artist. The best thing that can happen, though, is the Broncos running game blossoms in his stead during this time, and it has so far.
0: Claude jumping in. Appreciate you, buddy. He says, I'm rooting for a tie tonight. Of course, it's Chargers-Chiefs. Other than a tie, what's the best outcome of tonight's game for the Broncos? You want the Chargers to lose. Yep. I mean, honestly, there's a there, the the margin. If we go back to the playoff picture, let me let me do a quick share screen. Then we got to handle some matters of business here. Uh, if you go back to the margin that separates the Chiefs from the Broncos, it's two games. All right, and there's four games left to go. So it's one of those where even if the if the Chargers were to win and the Broncos get to face all three of their divisional opponents one more time amongst these last four games. Um, so if the chargers were to win, it wouldn't be the worst thing either. Like either way, it's one, one of the, the Broncos biggest, you know, uh, impediments to climbing up the, the AFC playoff picture right now. One of those guys is going to lose tonight. And that's a good thing. Which one Zach? I mean, take your pick probably the chargers. If you want your best shot at kind of, yeah. uh, guaranteeing a, a wild card.
1: Yeah, I think that the Chiefs right now are running away with the West. They're kind of getting their bearings and going back to the Kansas City team of old. And you got to give them that. So realistically, you have to fight for a wild card. And it would help that you lower the team in front of you, which would be the Chargers. And also remember the Broncos beat them head-to-head so they have that tiebreaker as well. Yeah, you want Kansas City to uh, win tonight. You would root for the Meteor. In a ideal, ideal scenario, but Kansas City in a realistic one. I don't know what's going on with the game. Though I just turned it on, it looks like a pretty scary situation. Uh, the what guy's on a stretcher right now. Oh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know what's out. going on. Uh,
0: what's up, Miguel? He says I think both teams are going to have good rushing days. It's going to come down to who can get the ball, uh, the deep ball, even though it might be minimal. We will come back to that, my friend. Lots more to discuss. We're going to dive into the Bengals and really what kind of challenge awaits. The Broncos this week. Appreciate uh my bookie. And guys, we love it when our community, the way one of the reasons sponsors like us, all right, is because our community understands that they support us when they support our sponsors, right? So we appreciate each and every one of you who have signed up on that code. Uh Michaela jumping in. What's going on with wow, very generous super chat. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. You know how much we love you. You know how much we appreciate you. And uh, looking good in your new Patrick Sertan jersey. Rocking it. Still fresh. It probably still has that brand new smell, right? She says, much love to the entire MHH family. I hope Pookie is okay. It doesn't sound, I mean, reading, Zach, the actual content of what was said today and also the tonality that the Broncos are too worried about Pookie. It's a matter of understanding, as you guys will see as we get through this here in a little bit, the head-to-heads, understanding, Zach, that this opponent you're going to have to come correct on the smash mouth if you want to, you know, have a have a word edgewise in this debate that's going to take place on on a gridiron on Sunday.
1: Well, it's tough, too, because you want to establish the running game, of course. You want to take advantage of the running backs and the, the horses that you have. But Cincinnati, I don't know how many people know this. Their run defense is really, really good. Fourth ranked in the NFL. They're only giving up 93.1 yards per game. I mean, that's really solid run defense. Trey Hendrickson plays a big part in that, so that's why if he didn't play, um, it would be a break for the Broncos. But regardless, they have to try to keep it uh, and establish it and keep it going because you can't rely on Teddy. If you get him to shoot out, if it's Joe Burrow versus Teddy Bridgewater, you're going to lose that game. If you fall behind and you're forced to pass and go off game script and game flow, you're going to lose the game. So regardless, if it doesn't work on the first series, the second series, you got to stay with it until it does. I'm talking to you right now, Pat Shermer.
0: Yeah, Trey Hendrickson, he's kind of an interesting story, right? A third-round pick out of Florida Atlantic of of course the Saints back in 17. Then he goes to Cincinnati and my dude is, you know, he's uh become a thing down there. Uh 2021, let's look at his uh let me take a quick peek at his stats. He's got in 11 starts, let's see, he's got 12 and a half sacks. That doesn't count as QB hits, which are 20 and his total pressures and whatnot, right? So this dude, Zach, is a whirling dervish, and the Broncos O-line, irregardless of which tackle, ends up being tasked with having to take him on most, they're going to have their hands full. And, yes, Miguel, as we mentioned, it's uh, that deep ball. It'd be nice to see Teddy uh, deploy it every once in a blue moon, if nothing else but to keep the the defense at least semi-worried that you might do it again.
1: What deep ball? The only time he attempts one is down the sideline, and usually it's off the receiver's fingertips or it's a catch, and it's a 50-50 proposition whether they complete that. How often have you seen a true deep ball 30-plus yards down the middle of the field, a seam stretcher? Very rare. I don't think Teddy can throw that. I don't think he wants to throw that. And worst of all, I don't think the Broncos want to throw that. I don't think they want to go that long. You know, Pat Shermer had a really, really interestingly bad quote today in his presser. Nothing new there. It happens every single week. But he said twice, I want to score one more point than the opponent. And then he defined that's a win in true John Madden style, Chad. Because we didn't know that that scoring more than your opponent equals a victory. But I think that's telling and revealing as to the mindset of the Broncos. That's the 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 margin of error that you want is one point. That's the that's the mindset you want to have is barely squeaking by someone, not blowing past them. That's the whole problem right now, and that's permeating throughout the facility in Dove
0: Michael, it is great to see you, my friend. Hope all is well down in uh Tucson shout out to Clayton who became a an official Facebook supporter a subscriber today ponied up the 5 bucks a month so thank you Clayton remember you like all of our other supporters now get access to our premium VIP podcast content which for the rest of this month and probably early January is only for paid Facebook subscribers so appreciate you doing that my friend if you guys want to join Clayton Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash huddle. There's that big blue button at the top. Become a supporter. You're in like Flynn. Shout out, Travis. What's going on? Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's too serious as far as Pookie, but we're going to keep an eye on that, uh, boys and girls. Let's see what else we got here on people's minds before we dive into some head-to-heads, because this is where, I mean, these games, man, they're meaningful. So as we start analyzing these head-to-heads, Uh, tonight and each game remaining in this season like it becomes even more uh meaningful we got one let's see Kayaka. let me see if i can grab here he is uh what's going on big dog great to have you thank you for the super chat i'm I'm about done with zach's hate for merlot bro just admit you don't like mg3 it's totally okay always so negative i'm elated
1: (sighs) we have him and i hope he stays lol much love to my brother zach uh so you're calling me a hater but calling him Merlo. Okay.
0: There here's the thing with with Melvin Gordon. You know, <laughs>
1: I guess sometimes
0: tonality, yeah. okay? Oh, Oh, man,
1: I'm not saying it again. I don't hate the player. I don't hate the person. I hate the contract. I like Javante Williams. They drafted a running back in the second round. I like to see him be the face of the backfield. No problem. Melvin Gordon, a little overpaid and a good but not great running back. That's my opinion. And I think it's pretty level-headed and reasonable.
0: I'd be curious, though, Kayaka, in your opinion, and I'm really asking this. He's what is he's eighth highest or ninth highest? He's either eighth or ninth. This I know because we just checked it out earlier this week. Do you view Melvin Gordon and Kayaka as the eighth or ninth best running back in the league? I'm just curious. Hit me up. Tell me where you where you stand on that. Jermaine, what's going on, my friend? Hey, that's two nights in a row we've had Jermaine throwing down. Thank you, brother. He says, we got the best three wideouts in the league. Put Wilson or Rodgers back there. 4,000-yard uh, pass, 40 to 45 touchdowns. Yeah, that's one of the things, Zach, and, and I think one of the reasons why fans are so frustrated right now, because on one hand, yes, when you hear – Teddy Bridgewater talk about, hey, we're winning. No, you won this game. You lost the one before. You won the one before. You lost the one before. That It's, you know, teeter-totter. But winning is important, all right? But you really are squandering some formidable talent there. I mean, you can argue that the most, outside of Pookie right now, the most explosive talent you have on that offense is not being used. In what world does that make any sense? I mean, you're winning games and – Detroit, notwithstanding, most of these games that you do win, sitting here at seven and uh, seven and six, is it seven and six? Yes, seven and six, are by the skin of your teeth. You're barely winning, and yet you have these weapons that you just showed love to. You just paid them big money, and since week eight, all right, that was the Washington game, and that obviously was also the game Zach, that Jerry Judy returned to the lineup. Cortland Sutton's been targeted a grand total of twenty times. Week 8, Week 9, Week 10, Week 11, by uh, Week 13, Week 14. I mean, that is shameful.
1: But what did Pat Shermer say today about <laughs> Corlin Sutton? He was asked about his performance, and this is what Pat Shermer said. Performance in recent weeks, I, he had one catch uh, for nine yards against the Lions in a 38-10 victory, and Pat Shermer said, well, you know, he understands what it takes to win and help the team win. That doesn't answer the question. It doesn't summarize his performance. It, it deflects away from that. He's not getting Cortland Sutton involved and not really getting Tim Patrick involved for that matter either. So you're, you're I don't want to say overpaying, but you're paying good money to two premium receivers and neither of them are making huge game-altering impacts every single week. I know you want to establish the run, but you can do both things at the same time. But I can tell you about Aaron Rodgers, though. He's a lot like uh, Tom Brady. He would love a receiver of Tim Patrick's caliber considering uh, his sure hands, his reliability. He would love someone like Cortland Sutton considering how dominant he is in the red zone and on back shoulders and deep balls. Uh, And he would love someone like Jerry Judy, who's like a Devontae Adams light when it comes to the route running. So you put him in this offense, provided you have a coordinator that would let him cook. I mean, the sky really is the limit.
0: Definitely. There is a good analysis that was done earlier this week by Tom Hall at milehighhuddle.com kind of weighing the pros and cons of, of each quarterback. Like if either Wilson, let's just assume for a second that the wild rumors are true and Wilson and Rogers are out of, out of their respective NFL cities in the spring, which one would make the most sense for the Denver Broncos. It really boils down to how much do you value that 33 years old component of Russ? You know, the fact that he is significantly younger, However, Zach, the thing that he brings up, one of the many things Tom brings up in that analysis is that while he might be younger than Aaron Rodgers, he's also been a rusher a lot more. I mean, Aaron's always been a solid scrambler and he's picked up his fair share of rushing yards, but Russell Wilson has been a rusher, right? Like he's taken a lot of, most of the time, you know, he doesn't, he's he's savvy enough to kind of make sure he doesn't take big hits, but there's just less, Less tread, I think, on, on those tires than the average 33, uh, 33-year-old quarterback. So it just kind of comes down to what's your flavor? What do you prioritize more? If it's a matter of a passer that can come in and maximize the weapons and talent you have currently and really elevate all ships, it's probably Aaron Rodgers. But the downside to that is the shelf
1: life, Zach, going to be much shorter. I mean you have to compare production from this season and it's been wonky from both ends. You know, Wilson had the finger, but Aaron was on the CV list. He has the toe now, so they've both been dealing with ailments this season. And you mentioned the records before. The Packers are in the uh, the, the 2 seed behind the Bucks right now. I mean, they're they're cruising to a top seed in the NFC playoff picture. Uh, mostly in part to Aaron Rodgers. And who does he really have on that offense aside from Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones? I mean, someone like uh, Valdez, Scantling, or Alan Lazard. The Broncos' talent in the receiving core is a lot better, but the quarterback, like you mentioned just now, raises all ships and all uh, production
0: around you. On this topic, all right, of uh, the next quarterback, Colin Cowherd made some waves this week. In fact, this is probably something I'm, I'm going to write about, if not tonight, first thing in the morning, but... He made some waves by saying the following this week, quote, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, he has to be the missing piece. There's only one place for that. It's the Denver Broncos. Green Bay does not want him in the NFC. I can assure you of that. Denver's a team that can give up four first-round picks. Cornerbacks got him covered. Two Mm -hmm. tight ends, Javante Williams now. They've added a running back, two good running backs. They have a good left tackle. They have an edge rusher. All the things you need, and most of them are young. Now, look, we've, uh, pardon me, Zach, we've clowned on uh, Colin Cowherd for some of his takes over the years, but he's also a guy that actually has been right on more than one occasion. What's your read on what he
1: has to say there about Rodgers? Well, if he did I hear that correctly? Four first round draft picks, because right, then I want right. to clown on him a little more for yeah. that. No way in hell am I doing that for a 30 eight-year-old, whatever he is, 39-year-old quarterback. No way. I would give up two for him, but not double that. And I don't think George Payton will as well. Um But it's. Tr- I made the same point when it came out a few weeks ago about Rodgers' trade interest and Russell Wilson. Both those teams would want those quarterbacks out of the conference. And someone like Wilson, who was connected to him? It was the Saints, it was the Giants, and the Broncos. Two of those three teams are in the conference. The only one that's out of the conference is Denver. So I agree with Cowherd in that sense, but... Compensation still way, way too much.
0: Four first round picks. I mean, if this was like a twenty two year old Aaron Rodgers or however old he was, what was he like twenty five when he won the Super Bowl that twenty ten season? You know, four four first round picks. You know, I I could I could hear someone I, say that with a straight face. Thirty, soon to be aged thirty nine, Aaron Rodgers, four first round picks. I mean, no. I'm sorry, no, and thank you by the way, Andrew. You demand just love, just love for that dub. You demand, dude. Thank you very much. Um, George Fox says if we want Teddy to put the ball down the field, I don't think he will because, as we have seen, when we send him the ball downfield, it's either over or under. Not offended are they on? Are they on target? Never rockets for life. Thanks for all you do for us fans. You got it, buddy. Um, yeah, that's look. Being as, um, what's the word? Um, I'll I'll steal, man Teddy, all right? Teddy's strengths are his intangibles. Football brain, leadership, relative calm and poise in the pocket. Those are his calling cards. That's what, and one of the reasons why coaches love him so much is, you know, he's a lot like them in that sense. He knows a lot, poised in the pocket. But what you lose with Teddy is he has, I would say, just this much above average athleticism for an NFL quarterback. And the arm talent is just non, I shouldn't say non-existent, but as far as NFL caliber arm talent, I mean, it's, it's nothing to write home about. And then you start talking about the deep ball, Zach, his deep ball accuracy. Like I'm not going to pretend that I was some Teddy Bridgewater expert as far as all of his film before he became a Bronco. So I'll just base it on what I've seen as a Bronco, his deep ball accuracy leaves much to be desired I can think off the top of my head of two or three maybe dimes that he's thrown that went more than 20 yards where I'm like that was a nice throw big dog
1: yeah one was dropped by Alberto against Pittsburgh but like if you can only think of two or three that's again that's a problem in itself and what's George makes a good point here his accuracy isn't all that I mean sometimes he'll throw a ball and it's like Barely off the receiver's fingertips, but only in a position where the receiver could get it. He wasn't going to throw it in harm's way. Other times, he's sailing it over, under, out of bounds, too far inside. Um, No one talks about that, but his accuracy has been a problem with the capital P at some points this season. And that's what I was saying. I don't think Teddy likes throwing deep. I don't think the Broncos like Teddy throwing deep. So it's a match made in heaven.
0: Clayton goes from being a subscriber to now also the first time sending some stars on Facebook. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. He says, all you guys uh, do a great job. Keep it up. And remember, guys, smash that like button. Appreciate you, Clayton.
1: This is true, too, about Teddy. I mean, he had a free play, and he checked it down for two yards. I will never forget that for as long as I live. It's been a long time
0: since I've seen a quarterback meme themselves, like, so <laughs> hard, you know? Um, but I guess we shouldn't expect too much less just because we, Teddy doesn't go on social media he doesn't have twitter he doesn't have any of that so he, he doesn't have doesn't, a tv <laughs> doesn't have a tv um real quick here there was one i wanted to grab from uh where did he go yvonne what's going on big dog good to see you he says uh, sorry to join a little late what is the status of kenny young i'll tell you kenny young did not participate today or the day before because he's in concussion protocol and what Vic said about Kenny Young, let me find it here. Quote, uh, well, is he progressing well in concussion protocols? In other words, coach, is there a chance Kenny Young will be spit out of uh, protocols in time to start on Sunday? And this is Vic's reply. Quote, he is progressing. I don't know if he's progressing fast enough. We'll see. So we don't know. All we can know is, yet. today's Thursday. Yesterday was Wednesday. That in
1: and of itself is progress. Is he any better? Couldn't tell you. We don't know. Sounds pretty ominous, though, and two DNPs don't bode too well. And he has to go through those stages of the concussion protocol. And the last one is from an independent neurologist away from the team. Uh, Fortunately, unlike being on the CV list, that can happen at any time. It can happen on Saturday. It can happen before kickoff. There's a chance he can play. Uh, It's not looking overly likely right now. But you know who stepped up in his place was Jonas Griffith. He graded out pretty well at ILB uh, next to Baron Browning against Detroit. So maybe another guy stepping up in the uh, linebacking court.
0: Earned some props, too, from uh, Vic Fangio, did Jonas Griffith. All right, we're going to grab Claude here, and then there's one from Todd Ostendorf I'm going to grab next. Claude says, can't wait for Shermer and Teddy to be replaced by people who know how to utilize the formidable weapons we have on offense. Yeah, it's – probably only a matter of time. But again, if the Broncos make the playoffs, there's a good chance Schirmer goes nowhere. And there's a solid chance they bring Teddy back because they don't want to look gift horses in the mouth. You know, depending on what would happen with a Virager situation or, you know, Wilson situation or Derek Carr, as we talked about earlier this week or whatever, going five years without making the playoffs and then you bring in a one-year mercenary and you make it and now he's a free agent. That fruit might be hanging too low for the Broncos, Zach, to say, yeah, let's go ahead and, and move on from Teddy. I could see him coming, throwing a few dollars at him, bringing him back, drafting a quarterback in the first round. This is, again, assuming they fail to really land on Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and uh, trying to see if they can't strike that, catch that lightning in the in the bottle in 2022.
1: I mean, if you're of the party that just wants Shermer and Bridgewater replaced, oh, there's a scenario if the Broncos make the playoffs where they bring Vic Fangio back as head coach and say, listen, you have to replace the OC and a couple other coaches and maybe the quarterback as well. That new OC would likely want his own quarterback, either a veteran uh, in in part with George Payton or a rookie to develop. So um, if you don't mind Fangio coming back, I think you'll be happy one way or the other next year.
0: Todd says, I will at least say... I will say at least Drew Locke has a strong arm and can push the ball downfield. Something that has been missing this year. Locke being benched may signal his end as a starter in the league, though. It may, and it definitely signals Todd his end as a starter in Denver, barring injury to Teddy. Um, But yeah, you know, he's got that arm. If you could take the brain, the poise, uh, I'll say this, if you could take the poise of Teddy, all right, and the... Relative football IQ of Teddy. Mix that with what you have in Drew's actual tangible skills. You'd have something pretty special in that one quarterback, but here we are close to Christmas, right? If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, dot, 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 dot.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, Locke is on the same path as a Marcus Mariota where he was written off as a starter and he goes and be he's a backup somewhere and he plays well in spot duty and the coach says, you know, maybe he can play again and he gets another shot. What he does with that shot is anyone's guess, but I know you agree with this. I want to see uh, Drew Locke in another system to see what he can do. Give it an opportunity. If he can't play, he can't play, but let's find out. And you know
0: what? If they end up moving on from the coaching staff and bring in a new one, um, I'd be just as interested to see how he might do with that new coach, like just with a different coaching staff. Pat Shermer was a horrible fit for Drew and Drew for him. That just wasn't a good match. Vic Fangio, you know, that was a, that was a bad decision. I don't know. We could go on, but Drew's not even a factor in the conversation anymore. There was a good article, though, today that came out from Bob Morris. Guys, go give it a read. Six Bronco draft picks. Uh, Recent draft picks whose rookie contracts are about to expire. What are their odds of returning? What's their future with the team? Drew's on that list. Go give it a read. Uh, Miguel says, I agree with Zach in terms of the contract, but I do like talking about Melvin here. I like the Chubb-Hunt model in Cleveland.
1: Well, to be fair to both, I don't think Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams are as good as Kareem Hunt or uh, Nick Chubb. I think Cleveland has the better running backs. You know, the Broncos have good running backs in their own right, but I think Cleveland's are better. And um, I don't know if you think Melvin's on the same level. I don't know who would be who in that situation. I guess he would be uh, Kareem Hunt, but I would take Hunt over Melvin Gordon. I'll say that. That's my opinion, though. You guys can feel free free to disagree.
0: I'm not sure I would take Hunt over Melvin. Melvin... um,
1: just more explosive. I mean, if you watch some highlights, what he does...
0: What's Hunt's age? He's got to be a couple, two, two years or so younger than Melvin. I would guess so maybe like 26 or 27. Something like that. Kayaka, hey, appreciate the uh, calls to action, guys. Yeah, that's right. If you are in the room and you're on YouTube or Facebook, give the video a like, guys. It's a little thing that you can do that goes a long way to help us big, big, big time. Um Let's see, Travis, scary thought, though. What if they keep them around talking about the coaches? It's a distinct possibility, guys. Jermaine says, and Russ, I trust. It's a distinct possibility that you have to reckon with. Like, Zach, Broncos fans, when Vic went on that four-game losing streak after winning the first three, and they lose four in a row, and then a couple of other letdown moments after that, Broncos fans started kind of emotionally just saying, I'm moving on. I'm tired of Vic. We need something new. It's going to happen. We can, we've can. we seen this story before. We know how the season's going to end. And then all of a sudden, they kind of found a way to kind of battle back. And there again, guys, is a distinct possibility. Vic's going nowhere, but it is 100% contingent on, did you make the playoffs, Vic? If he does, I could see him staying. In fact, I'm almost certain, almost, he would stay. But uh, that's a big if at this point as far as them making
1: it. Yeah, the only gray area, and I I perfectly agree with what you're saying, but let's say nine and eight. If you're George Payton, you can justify it both ways. You didn't make the playoff. I'm talking I'm talking no playoff berth. Nine and eight winning record, but no playoffs. You can justify it either way. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised either if he says, you know what, I'll be patient, give it one more make or break year. Fangio's under contract. Seems like he's on the upswing. Let's see what we can do with some minor changes to the coaching staff and maybe the quarterback as well. I'm just prepping for that scenario. Quincy wants to know on Facebook, Zach, Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter. Oh, that's a tough. I mean, both need a lot of seasoning in the NFL. Good coaching at the next level. Uh, Ritter gives me some Dak vibes, though. I feel I've seen that comp a lot, and I would love to have a quarterback like that. Malik Willis, I think, has the higher upside. I don't know. I think you can go either way. But like I said yesterday, we're going to get so many of these questions between now and the next couple months. And it all depends. My, my answer is the same every time. Who is coaching the team and who is the coordinator of the team?
0: Hey, Jordan, first-time stars, pretty sure. Thank you for that. Really means a lot. Stick around. Uh, any topics you got, questions, get them in the chat. We'll keep an eye out for them. Zach, here's a pop quiz, okay? How many Bronco quarterbacks all-time would you guess have passed for 3,000 or more yards in a single season all-time?
1: Man, like just – one quarterback doesn't yep. matter if they did it multiple Not times. Number of
0: seasons, yeah. Just one uh, number of to- Number of quarterbacks. Five. Wow. See, I w- I would have, I was the exact opposite of that. I would have, if someone would have asked me off the top of my head, I would have gone through the rolodex. I probably would have answered somewhere between ten and fifteen. But if Teddy Bridgewater manages to pass for another fifty-six yards in the season, he will become the eleventh Bronco uh, quarterback. Sold to him pass short for three thousand yards. <laughs> Uh, on that note, let's go ahead and start our uh, head-to-head here and take a look at these two teams who, you know, kind of been down in the dumps, both of them, the last couple, uh, two, three years. But they're on the brink of something cool. Um, the Broncos currently, though, own a 23-10 and all-time record against the Bengals, including a 14-3 mark at home. Uh, let me see if there's anything cool here that's worth noting. <laughs>
1: Got that right, Yvonne. For What'd sure. What you say? Read it to me. I can see Zach throwing his cap in anger if Shermer and Teddy stay for the next season. Ha ha.
0: Could be. All right. Here is the head to head, guys. Green obviously signifies a top 10 statistical ranking, red equals bottom 10. Both teams chilling at seven and six right now. So there's a huge game. Both teams on the bubble, in the hunt, however you want to portray it in the AFC. The Broncos are plus one in the turnover differential. And guys, that just simply means they have taken the ball away one more time than they have given it away. Meanwhile, the Bengals are minus four, right? Uh, and that that mark, by the way, puts the Broncos right in the middle of the pack. Time of possession, this Broncos offense, Zach still top 10. They average 31 and a half minutes per game, possessing the ball, which ranks them seventh. Meanwhile, the Bengals. They're only, I mean, less than a, well, let's see. They're 30 and thirty minutes, 52 seconds, so just shy of 31 minutes, and that ranks them 14th. Looking at these offenses, though, Zach, the Broncos in net yards per game are ranked 19th with 345. The Bengals, just a few marks better, 358. We'll, we'll call it 359 net yards per game, which ranks them 14th. Yards per play, Broncos are middle of the pack, as are the Bengals, but still a little bit better than the Broncos. Uh, Points per game, the Broncos are averaging 21.2, good for 20th in the league. The Bengals, meanwhile, Zach, look at this, top 10, averaging 27.2 points per game. Rushing, the Broncos are the 11th best rushing offense, averaging 123 yards per game. The Bengals, 19th, averaging just shy of 109 per game passing. Joe Burrow, he's averaging about 250 yards per game. That's just outside the top 10 broncos are 19th averaging 221 and then we get into some green here for your denver broncos interceptions the broncos have only thrown nine um that's good for ninth in the league that ties them for ninth they've only lost six fumbles ties them for ninth fewest right Uh, and then so in total giveaways they've only given the ball away a grand total of 15 times which ties them for eighth. meanwhile zach 14 picks for the Bengals that they've thrown. They've lost seven fumbles, 21 total giveaways. They're in the bottom third of the league. Sacks, the Broncos have given up 33. Bottom third, tied at 23. Bengals have given up a whopping 41 sacks. Zach, if this is not the game that Bradley Chubb finds a way to go off the chain, then I'm really going to be worried. I'm a little bit worried now about him. Then I'm really going to start you know, edging toward the cliff.
1: What about Shelby Harris as well? I mean, it would be a nice time for him to have his coming-out party after getting his new contract. Um, Draymond Jones being kind of banged up sucks because I think he can do some damage against an offensive line that surrenders Saxon. The Bengals' offense strikes me as an explosive unit, but one prone to turnovers and just poor play. So the Broncos' defense, they can really dominate this offense if they play correctly. It's good to see the Broncos' offense, though, uh, got out of – the doldrums on third down and in the red zone, they were among the bottom a couple weeks ago. Now they're 17th and 19th, so I think that's encouraging.
0: Well, when you go five for five in the red zone in one game, that's going to bump your numbers. And they were solid uh, on third down. I'll go back to week 14 really quick. They were significantly better on third down against the uh, Lions. They went the Broncos went eight for 12, Zach. Uh, on third down. So that's 67%. So obviously that's almost double what their season average was. So they did climb precipitously on third down. They're now ranked 17th red zone. They're 19th. Meanwhile, the Bengals, they're not any good on third down either. I should say, no, that's, uh, that's accurate. They're not any good, but they're actually ranked middle of the pack. But in the red zone, my dog, Joe Burrow finds a way to freaking hit the pay dirt. He finds a way to pound at home they're ranked 8th in red zone efficiency, Zach, scoring touchdowns on 63% of their possessions that go inside the opponent's 20
1: helps to have Mixon down in the red zone. You know, the the defenses are are playing the pass, and you have a running back like that, it it helps a lot. So I agree with the comment that I saw. I think it was from Base Gaste who said, I'm more worried about uh, Mixon than Burrow. I feel the same way. He's the running back that can hurt the Broncos to the edge with his speed, with his explosion. That's always been the type of player the Broncos have struggled against, and I think he can take this game over if Denver allows that.
0: So Falling Sloth, Brings up a point here. Keep in mind, four of those cincy turnovers were just from fumbled kicks last week, which isn't something they would normally do. Makes them seem far worse than they are. Yeah, perhaps that's true, but it's it's all part of the uh, milieu, right? It's all part of the tapestry. We could find statistical outliers uh, on the Denver Broncos side of things as well. But let's keep looking here. Actually, let's grab Damian first, and then we'll we'll keep marching through the defense. Thank you, Damian, uh, for that very generous super chat, my dog. He says, I'm shaking my head at what I'm hearing. Uh, Lynch had an arm. Osweiler had an arm. And yet we were very close to the playoffs. I'm a results-driven guy, and I get it. But karma would be spiteful if we make it to the Super Bowl. LOL. I'm I'm struggling here. A lot to unpack there. I need I need the syntax maestro, dude. Translate what he's it, trying to say.
1: It might not be in reference to us, but a comment, um, maybe about Locke having a strong arm, comparing it to Lynch and Osweiler. we were very close to the playoffs. Result-driven guy, and I get it. But Carm would be spiteful if we make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know that they gave up on those quarterbacks, and they had arms, and they gave up on Drew Locke. I would as well.
0: not say I, Osweiler had. No, an I arm. wouldn't either. Lynch did. Lynch actually, for being a long-limbed giraffe. He had a whip, dude. He could he could put some mustard on the ball. He lacked utterly anything between the ears. It helped but, in
1: Call of Duty for sure.
0: Moss Um, Osweiler though he had a very average NFL arm and a weird throwing platform. But either way, um, I think what he's trying to say is, look, they had an arm. We got close, couldn't get there. You know, by the time Peyton made it to the Super, you know, the second Super Bowl, he ne- he didn't have an arm. We won it. If Teddy manages to get that far. You know,
1: maybe that's what he's trying to say. I I think you're right. Yeah. Karma would be spiteful. I think you got it there, Chad. But Damien, dude,
0: it's been a few days since uh, we've seen you in the chat. So welcome back. Thank you. You know, we appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Let's go take a look here at the head-to-head on defense and uh, see where these two teams measure up. So your Broncos are now seventh in net yards per game, relinquishing 325 yards. That's uh, pretty good. Meanwhile, the Bengals, middle of the pack. 350 yards a game.
1: Uh, What is it? I wish I had a telestrator so I can highlight net passing yards per game on Cincinnati's side and just uh, mail it to Pat Shermer's offense. Be like, look at that. They're 29th. They're not going to have a woozy, their top cornerback. Stretch them down the field. Throw the ball. You know, use the weapons around you. Unleash Teddy, whatever that means. But look at those numbers. 29th in the NFL, 200 and almost 57 yards per game.
0: Only three teams in the league are worse against the pass than the Bengals, but only three teams are better than them against the run. So yeah, there's you're going to see the Broncos, I think, Zach, and especially with all the storylines have been permeating, combined with the injuries to Gordon and now Pookie, I think you're going to see Teddy Bridgewater under you know directive from Pat Shermer try and air it out a little bit, try and move the ball with the with the pass. How successful that will be remains to be seen, but look at this. The Broncos now, Zach, second best defense in points per game. They're only allowing 17 and a half. Bengals allow almost a touchdown more than that per game at 22 and a half. Net rushing, Broncos are top 10 as well. All right. They're in fact 10th, but the Bengals are fourth. They don't even allow an average of 100 yards. They don't allow opponents on average to triple digits. Passing, Broncos top 10. All right. Interceptions, though, these teams are almost mirrors. right? Broncos only have 12. Uh, Bengals have 11. Ten of those picks, Zach? Or see, no, five and four. Nine of these picks, am I getting my math right, are from Simmons and Sertan. Simmons has five. Doesn't Pat have four, I want to say? I'm going to double-check yeah.
1: that. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Dude. We got the queen Oh, read it, read it. I'm off off screen. I'm too busy bowing to her right now, Chad. Christy popping in here. So good to see you, Christy. We love you so much. $50 super. Thank you so, so much. She goes, hi, kids. Long time. Hope you all are having a great night. Glad to finally catch my guys live. Go Broncos. So good to see you, Christy. We've missed you around here for sure. I hope you're having a great night and uh, know that we love you very much.
0: Yes, we have. Hope everyone's doing well in the household. Uh, did you get the second jersey? So we had a we had a snafu on her jersey. I forget which one she won. Was it the Simmons jersey I think she won? Yep. And there was a snafu on the size that was supposed to come. We ended up getting second one sent out. So let me know if that's arrived yet or if I need to track that down. Uh, but it is great to have the queen of MHH, the original, uh, in the house with us. Lo- I mean, royalty. We got the duchess and we got the queen here tonight. Love it. Um all right, coming back here, 12 picks. So, yes, nine of them, Zach, come from Simmons and Sertan. Isn't that crazy, dude? Only th- three other players, 14 games, 13 games at technically, into the season have picked off a ball for these Denver Broncos. Like,
1: that's not good. You know what the sad part is? They're paying a combined, let's see if my math is correct, $27 million this year between Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, and Bryce Callahan, and they're not getting the production out of that secondary. So, you know, it's good that Simmons is earning his money and Patrick Sertan is looking like a future all-pro, but you've got to get more out of the highest-paid secondary in the NFL. I'll
0: tell you this, though. On Darby, he's really kind of stabilized over the last quarter of the season. Like, I've been modestly impressed with him. No big splash plays. But he does, he's doing well in coverage. He's coming up and making the stops and run support. Like I've been happy with him. I just want to see from this entire secondary, as Zach mentioned, we need to see more takeaways. We need to see more game-changing plays. And the problem is these things are symbiotic, man. It's hard for secondaries to pick off passes when the quarterback has all day long, can take a nap in the pocket, wake up, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then throw the pass. What do you expect the secondary to do? Like yeah. they almost have to get lucky. Shelby Harris, put down the podcast, Mike. <laughs> Go rush the quarterback, dude. Uh sacks, Zach, sack, 30. Broncos are middle of the road. All right. So could be worse. They've been without Vaughn now for a minute, and they're still right in the middle in sacks. Meanwhile, the Bengals, only one team is better than them in sacking the quarterback. They have 37. And then we get to the money stats here. Third down, the Broncos still suck at holding opponents, getting them off the field on third down. They're ranked 26th. Bengals are middle of the pack, all right? Modestly better in that department, but still not great. Red zone, though, the Broncos have fought, clawed their way back into top 10 ranking and uh, are only allowing touchdowns on just shy of 52% of red zone trips. Bengals, middle of the pack, 58.5%
1: is that. Well, refresh my memory, what are the Broncos on third down on offense, Chad, if you can scroll back up? 17th. So, I mean, that's going to be a battle there. I mean, whoever owns that down, could, that can could be an underlying factor for the game. So the Broncos have the better defense, but it seems like Cincinnati has more game-changing plays, especially uh, from its pass rush with uh, Trey Hendrickson.
0: Special teams – Kind of boring, but look, Broncos are still top 10 in punt return average, which just surprises the snot out of me. Um, Field goal percentage, 10th, thanks to McManus being relatively consistent this year. Penalties, look at this. Broncos are one of the least penalized teams in the league. So are the Cincinnati Bengals. In fact, when it comes to penalties committed, they are the least penalized team in the NFL. That's interesting, Zach. That doesn't typically speak to a young, what is this, his Third year, just like Vic, because they were the same coaching cycle. Uh, the, that young head coach, Zach Taylor. Was it Zach Taylor? I just had a brain for it. Yeah. Usually, you know, when it's a young guy, you'll usually see a little bit less discipline, a little more slop. Guys taking liberties, less feeling like accountability. The Bengals might have something going here. If it's not their year this year, which it probably isn't, they're building something that is going to be,
1: I think, a force to be reckoned with. Coaching, I I hate to keep hammering the same point, but he was uh, being talked about as a firing candidate after the season, and actually, you know, after last season as well. And he turns it around. It helps to have the um, the quarterback in Joe Burrow, but what he's done for that offense and uh, re-energize the organization, having that young perspective in the building, I think it's giving Cincinnati, a historically basement dwelling franchise, a new shot of life. Miguel, thank you for the trip
0: down memory lane, 2009. Was it week one or week two? It was one of the first two games of that season. I think it was week one, wasn't it? I think it was the season opener. Broncos go on the road uh, at the Bengals. And uh, it's it's uh, McDaniel's first game as head coach. Kyle Orton under center. And it comes down to a deflected pass intended for Brandon Marshall. that Brandon Stokely, in a huge heads-up play, scoops out, what was it, like an 80-yard touchdown. They win the game. Um, definitely a memorable moment, but you know, what I remember more when it comes to Broncos bangles is 2015 Broncos rolled in, or I should say bangles rolled into Denver. If the Broncos win that game, they clinch a playoff berth and they did. And for whatever reason, I remember that game because it was against uh, AJ McCarron.
1: Do you know what I remember? The last time they played, I think it was at Cincinnati. It was a VJ year. I don't know if it was twenty seventeen or 18. Simeon. It was they lost that game pretty bad, if
0: I remember correctly. No, wait a minute, because I'm thinking Simeon's four touchdown game at Cincy, and I think that
1: was 2016. That was Coob. So let me think. When what I could have some... sworn they they played again, maybe in 2018, and uh, they had to have that game later in the year, and they just got like they were they didn't show up to it.
0: Oh, yes. Maybe I'm uh, misremembering. No, no, no. But. Hold on. Now it's bothering me. Denver Broncos. I want to say it was 2018 because we weren't, Broncos were not a factor at all in 17 down the stretch. So let me, let me take a look at Broncos. My memory 20, is
1: usually pretty undefeated. And I think it was 2018, as Mark's saying here. So that's always my last memory of the game. Just the Broncos didn't show up when they had to have it like usual. Uh,
0: yeah, at that point in time, whoops, pardon. Uh, John Elway was having, uh, Visions of bringing Mike Shanahan back. Uh, so yeah, bangles in week 13 at bangles. You were right. twenty four ten.
1: Yeah. Bad 24-10. game. Twenty
0: four ten. 10. Okay. We're about out of time guys. Michael. Thank you. My dog. Appreciate you. Um, by the way, Scott tried to clarify on that, that super chat from uh, Damien. He's saying it takes a lot more than an arm. To be successful, and that it does. It does take more than an arm. I mean, it, you got to have the complete package to really make it in the league. And the NFL Zach history, the books are littered with big-armed, talented guys who just couldn't put it together between the years, and vice versa. Guys who were relatively smart. I mean, Kellen Moore is a good example. That guy had like a, you know, Peyton Manning-esque brain but he just wasn't the specimen Peyton was because even though by the time Peyton came to Denver, you know, he wasn't quite the dynamic, you know, uh, athlete that he had been. And while most people don't think of dynamism or even athlete, when they think about Peyton Manning as a prospect coming out and the early parts of his career, he was a big, strong six foot five, tall quarterback. And he never had like a, you know, laser arms act, but he was a big, strong athlete. And you never worried about him getting there. He threw a lot of ducks,
1: But the ball got there. Peyton Manning, shout out. You can have the quarterback or you can have the coaching, but you can't have neither if you want to make a push in the playoff picture. And the Broncos have neither, I think. Um, In terms of a championship quarterback or coaching staff with Teddy Bridgewater and Pat Shermer, I mean, if they had one half of that equation solved, I can get on board. But, I mean, what is really the upside? That's what you have to ask yourself. Dude, I used
0: to hate Peyton Manning as a fan. I hated Peyton because he was the Bronco killer, man. Two years in a row. First of all, we could never beat Peyton Manning. I don't think the Broncos beat Peyton Manning unless it was like his rookie year, 98. Because, And I don't know if we played them in 98. Either way, Peyton Manning just would mop the floor. Those two years, the first two plumber years, uh, he gets here, leads the Broncos to the playoffs. He has to play in the wild card both times in Indy and just absolute beatdowns, dude. Beatdowns. And fortunately, the next year, they didn't have to play the, the Colts. They got a first-round bye, got a home game in the divisional round, and it was arguably worse, right? You had Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, the defending world champions, coming to town. And Plummer handed Tom his first playoff loss all-time, gets to the, to, to the AFC title game, loses, and then ushers in, basically, the Cutler era. But Peyton Manning, up until that point, man, he was the killer. He was the Bronco killer but now, once he becomes your quarterback, obviously that that changes quite a bit, right? It's like I, I never liked to keep Talib till I became a Bronco.
1: Yeah, you know, I, as a football fan, I love Peyton Manning, but as a Madden player, I hated playing against him because he would take it down to the final two seconds by constantly audibling and Omahaing every every you know every single second. So uh, great player, great personality, and he does these Monday night telecasts with Eli Manning that are tremendous, and I would recommend everyone watch those.
0: All right, guys, we are about out of time. So I'm just looking for any um Michael says, Well, hold on, hold on to hold on to Shane. Actually, Shane says Broncos beat the Bengals in 18-24-10. It made us five and six. Thanks, Shane. I uh, do appreciate that, bro. Um, Michael says Bengals will win this game if the Broncos don't trust their running game and passing game with Teddy, Gordon, and Williams with this coaching staff. Um, it'll be interesting because Zach he, he kind of makes a point here. It's, it's worth talking about. It would be really easy for Shermer to go away from what's been working, the running game, like take that low-hanging fruit because the Bengals are so bad against the pass and just like completely jump the shark and and live to really rue that game plan. So you, they got to just – I mean, just be a balanced offense, man. Have presence of mind. Convert in the key situations. You'll be okay.
1: But here's what happens if – Uh, Cincinnati shuts down the Broncos' running game, which, by the way, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both nursing injuries now. So let's say they take away the running game. This could be the week that Teddy Bridgewater has to step up and win Denver the ballgame. And in a playoff-implicating matchup against Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, a far cry from Detroit, I don't think he's capable of that. He has not once this season won a game on the strength of his own shoulder. He's ridden the wave to a victory, Chad. And it could be the case this week where uh, that fourth-ranked run defense, they take care of Pookie, they say take care of Melvin Gordon, and they say, beat us, Teddy. I don't know about you guys, but that makes me scared.
0: All right, guys. Um, Mark says, Lindemood says, I threw my Vaughn jersey on the ground and jumped up and down on it after that game. Didn't hurt the jersey though. What happened with Vaughn in that game? Now I'm trying to remember, man. Like people are, are remembering that Cincy game. And we're still talking about Cincy, right, Mark?
1: Um, yeah, Clayton. Shout out, buddy. Broncos for life, Wisconsin. In, in the twenty sixteen game, if they played Cincinnati, they play them like every year for three years. We're remembering so many matchups. Didn't Vaughn have a strip sack of Andy Dalton and Shane Ray ran it back for a touchdown? I want to say that was the that was the Trevor four touchdown game. I think it's the same though, right? It was that the Vaughn play they were talking. I don't know. I'm confused now. Too many Bengals. I'm, I'm probably
0: the one confusing you because I'm I can't remember the complexion of that 2018 game for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm assuming it was. Oh well, 18. Obviously, it would have been Keenum. Oh yeah, I remember that game, dude. I remember that game now. Uh, Rick says, don't. Uh, don't you just love how New England found its quarterback after just one year removed from Brady? Here's to hope. And Peyton is cooking. He's a cooking. He's biding his time. He's biding his time. Um, but guys, we got to dip on out of here. Thank you so
1: much for spending a little time with us. Zach, if you want to do the rundown, we'll dip on out. I think I was thinking of the Colts game in 2016 with Shane Ray uh, and Von Miller having that returned. The fumble six. If I can scroll and my mouse allows me to get to the banners there, I got it. Okay, guys, this was the Huddle Up Podcast. We are done for the week. This was the Mile High Mailbag and head-to-head matchup for the Broncos. Week 15 showdown against Cincinnati on Sunday. We'll be back on Sunday evening to recap our gut reactions and provide our analysis to that game. Until we see you guys next, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Myla Huddle for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, and more. You can follow my partner, Chad, on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. And if you haven't already, go to huddleuppod.com and get yourself a dope football priest hat like Chad and I are rocking. Get yourself a coffee cup. Get yourself a beanie. Hot off the presses right now at HuddleUpPod.com. And if you haven't, go to Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter. Calberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, Trickle Zone, exclusive content each and every week at your fingertips. Five bucks a month. You have my recommendation worth every penny. And Facebook.com slash Pod, Follow that page. If you haven't, if you want some swag, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win a hat, beanie, coffee cup, etc. Each and every month. But if you can't do those things, do these three things Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Yeah,
0: guys, please. little A small little thing you can do before you dip out. Like the video. Helps us out a ton. Um, shout out to these top star senders on Facebook. Miguel at the top. Jermaine. Wow. Jermaine comes out of left field last night, and now he's ranked two on the board to end today. That's dope. Thank you, Jermaine. Stone right behind him. Michael Claude, uh, Jordan, Yvonne, Clayton, George Fox, and Andrew Baker. Much love and respect to each and every one of you. Uh, George Fox here. Thank you for those stars, buddy. He says, if we have to count on Teddy to win this game, I'm afraid we lose then. Well, yeah, you can't count on Teddy to be that that difference. But if you get a good, balanced, um, complimentary performance from the team, man, he can do enough to keep you not squander that, right? So, anyway, as Zach said, much love to you guys. Broncos Book Club is returning Saturday at noon, Mountain Time. We will be going through the next two chapters of Slow Getting Up, Nate Jackson, excellent, excellent book. Uh, and then after that, we'll see you Sunday for Kelman's Corner first and then Huddle Up Pod.
1: I think we're so knee-deep in Stockholm Syndrome, Chad, we don't realize what we're saying anymore. I mean, you just said the Broncos quarterback is not going to be the difference, and we shouldn't expect him to be the difference and win the game for them. (laughs) It's a really, really sad state of affairs, but have a great weekend, Chad. Scott, everyone out there for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Sunday after the game. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the
0: conversation going.